0: you Hello, and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm Jessie park Humphreys, and today we are going to be doing a deep dive on Chelsea's only signing of the January transfer window so far, Micah Hamono. Um, I'm nervously looking on Twitter because it would be Sog's Law that we would announce something else uh, whilst I was recording this. But so yeah, Hamono signed from Kobe Leonessa, which listeners might recognise the same club that Chelsea signed So Yun from. So, you know, kind of a, a big pedigree, I guess, for, for Chelsea fans there. 18 um, year old old uh, striker, signed a deal to 2027 20, and immediately heading out on loan to Hammerby in Sweden. So we wanted to get a bit of extra detail on Micah Hamono, which is why we have turned to Alex Bishop. Alex is a Tokyo-based freelance sports writer, currently working with Football Manager as their head researcher for the Wii League, that's the Japanese Women's League. So Alex, thank you for joining us on the show.
1: Oh, pleasure to be here. Uh, thanks so much for the for the invite and I'm, I'm looking to get into it and talking all about Micah.
0: So, basically, the way this is going to work, for the first half, I'm going to have a little chat with Alex about Micah, and then in the second half, Abdullah will hop on through the magic of editing, Zoom, all that kind of stuff, and we're going to take a little bit of a look of footage of her. But, Alex, I want to start at the very beginning. This is a player who has been making waves in Japan for, for quite a bit of time, right, despite her young age.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, go roll right at the start. I mean, she's she's kind of an early bloomer. She came onto the scene here in Japan in 2018. She made her first senior debut debut with uh Sureso Osaka ladies, uh at just 14 years old. Um yeah, uh, back then, we were still in the kind of amateur days. So Sureso Osaka, despite being kind of a big footballing entity and having a big men's team, they were kind of up and down between the two uh, the two tiers, Nadeshiko 1 Nadeshko Nadeshiko 2, kind of a yo-yo team. Uh, by the way, this is the same youth academy that has developed uh, Honoka Hayashi over at West Ham. So, you know, they, they do have, you know, quite a good record of, of bringing through young uh, Nadeshiko talent. Uh, yeah, three seasons with them, uh, went through a relegation and then a promotion where she did contribute quite a bit with some good goals. Um, And then uh, Aynak Kobe, um, they picked her up right at the dawn of the Wii League um, at the beginning of, I think it was halfway through 2021. Um, and this is, by the way, for people who aren't really kind of familiar with Japanese geography Kobe and Osaka, they're kind of next door to each other so it's a very easy move for a, for a young player to make maybe someone going from QPR to Chelsea, something like this. Einak picked her up um, they won the league with her at the first season uh, she made, I do have a couple of stats on, on what a contribution was, she wasn't quite the uh, you know first team regular to begin with but she did come on um, as a sub quite often and made some good, good contributions, so 16 appearances and two goals um, won the league with them and then had a very Good under 20 women's world cup in um back in uh, I think it was August, right? Uh, she won the golden ball there. Uh, Japan getting to the final, um, yeah, started the season uh, again, her second season with INAC, was on the bench. Uh, I feel that the coach there he was kind of prioritizing winning games over kind of developing youth. They are a club that you know they do consistently win trophies and win the league and stuff like that, so of course, you know, they might be a bit careful with giving too many opportunities out when they have to win games. Um, and yeah, I, I imagine that uh, Emma Hayes picked her up on. Uh, on the back of the Women's World Cup, and and here she is at Chelsea, and well, and now she here she is at uh, in Sweden, but uh, yeah, registered to the uh, WSL champions.
0: Yeah, definitely um, a very interesting move from Chelsea, and I think a bit different from from where we've seen Chelsea look at their recruitment in in the past. Um, I want to kind of touch on her time at Inac because, as you've kind of said, she's it's not like she made a a space for herself in that team. Were you kind of surprised to see her maybe looking to move on or like a a club like Chelsea coming in for her, given that she hadn't, you know, even been able to establish herself
1: there? no no surprise um so Aina, it's quite competitive right so so they won the league uh, last season and i think it's kind of every other season they'll win the league or win a trophy maybe they'll win the empress cup or something like this um but her record uh, at the international level um has been quite good um regularly she's won uh, you know usually the japan um uh, under 15s under 16s and the under 20s they usually win things or get very close to it right and she's been quite a core piece of that um and yeah i mean she's got a very obvious kind of Skill, you know, technical skills. She's very natural, a lot of kind of natural skills. I'm sure you're going to get onto a little bit later. So there was no, after the Women's World Cup, uh, the under 20 Women's World Cup in in August, there was no kind of doubt. A lot of us here in Japan, um, a lot of the coaches who I speak with who are involved with their development, they were quite, um, you know, they they assumed that someone was going to come in. Um, we didn't think it would be Chelsea or even a, a WSL club. We thought it might come from Spain because she is a player that generally, you know, she generally kind of thrives when she has a bit more pay, a bit more space with the ball, um, a little bit more room to operate in. Not so physical, right? She's so got kind of like a slight stature kind of thing. So, um, we thought it might be, uh, you know, one of those leagues that might pick her up. Maybe not the WSL. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it wasn't really a surprise. A little bit of a surprise that it was Chelsea. But in general, we did expect an overseas move to come sooner rather than later.
0: And and as you said, the Under-20 World Cup it is really like been her kind of break up, breakout moment on a global stage. Can you just tell us a bit about what that tournament was like for, for Japan and for Mika and why she kind of attracted so much attention during during that tournament?
1: Sure. Well, Japan, they went in as champions, right? So, um Usually at the youth level, Japan, there's always kind of like an expectation that they're going to do really well, if not win it, they're going to be very close. Um, I think for, for for Hamano, I mean, she was uh, kind of pivotal. I think she was like, she really did cement a, a spot like as kind of like a second striker behind Yamamoto, who is still in Japan at Tokyo Beleza. Um... Yeah, I mean, she she just kind of lit up the tournament um, and a couple of teams, you know, they're nowhere near the level of Japan or Spain or some of the bigger teams in the world. So she did really have, you know, a lot of room, like I said, to operate and really show her talents. Um, so it was really about her kind of making a name for herself on the global stage. Um, For Japan, you know, it was kind of a struggle to when they came up against Spain, I think they were quite lucky right in a few games I think it was against Brazil when they were quite lucky to get through on penalties. Um, But yeah, especially against Spain that they really didn't have a good first half and it was kind of like well you know, they're not going to be able to live up to the the expectation or or meet the, the standards of the team that won previously I think it was back in 2018 right. Um, but in general, yeah, I mean, it's always a uh, a tournament that really displays the best kind of young talent that the Nadeshiko has to offer. Um, it's definitely a tournament where I feel a lot of players um, do put themselves on the global radar uh, and do make a name for themselves, and later will get moves off the back of it. Um, and I think uh, Hamano did exactly that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it, you mentioned there that obviously Japan were the the holders, and we've seen them be very successful at youth levels in recent years. But there doesn't necessarily seem to have that translated into maybe senior levels as much. I mean, feel free to kind of correct me uh, around that. But wh- why do you think that is? Why-, why are we seeing so much Japanese youth talent, but maybe not at the same level at senior?
1: I can, I can give you kind of like a, quite, quite a clear answer on that. So at, at the youth levels in Japan, uh, maybe you know a little bit about Japanese culture and how like the high school system works like this. Um, the, the, the players, youth players in Japan, they spend a lot more time playing together Kind of school, like the school kind of regime, and and how long they spend in school, and these after-school like soccer clubs and stuff like this, and a lot of the academies, they commit a lot more time together. The players, so maybe in England you might go like once or twice a week. Or I remember when I was a kid, I was playing in the street, right? So I, I a lot of us will have that kind of experience. But in Japan, there's none of that, so they have to kind of join a club or they'll join an academy, an elite academy, and they'll spend a lot of time, literally until like eight or nine o'clock in the evening. I remember actually a good story. I was doing a little bit of media work for the. JFA Academy, uh, this is the Japan Football Association Academy, where I was trying to get some of the younger players to maybe take some videos on the cell phones, this kind of thing, where they'll say a few funny things, and we post it, post it on socials. The uh, the media officer I was working with said, well, Alex, we, we don't give them their phones back until eight o'clock in the evening. Um, and then we don't allow them to have social accounts either. So you can think of that what you will, but this is a very kind of hardcore, um, elite and, and very stringent uh, process that they go through in these academies. This is where a lot of the teamwork is developed. A lot of the technical skills are developed from a very early age. It's repetition upon repetition upon repetition of um, of small side games and, and, and drills that are designed to, to you know, really refine technique. Um, so this is why we see um, in the inter- on the international stage, the, the Nadeshiko, they do really quite well um often winning the trophies and going all the way it's probably because they commit they spend a lot more time together commit a lot more time to the practice in the younger age categories when they get a little bit older um the other countries catch up to this and they're doing the same thing at professional level that's probably why
0: all right that makes sense um we're going to take a quick ad break and when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about micah so you mentioned as well that you thought Previously, maybe it would be more like a Spanish club that would come in for her. How does the Japanese league differ or is similar to some European leagues? I I take it from that that, you know, Spain is maybe like a kind of comparable uh, league in terms of styles of play and things like that.
1: Sure. If we're talking kind of like as a general standard, I'd probably put it on a par with the Swedish League, the Wii League, at the moment that is, um, it's kind of a difficult question because the top, the top teams in the Wii League, the top three, um, they are probably capable of competing with you know some of the best in the WSL or in Spain or even in the NWSL. Um, but just overall, I'd put it on a par with maybe Sweden, Holland, this kind of thing. Maybe not quite at the level of of, of the WSL or, or Spain or France, or something like that. But it is a difficult question because the, the style of play is very different. Japan is very tactical, very technical, um, and we see a lot more physical um, attributes. In, in Europe right so
0: mm, yeah um, yeah and I guess then that maybe makes sense did, did you feel like when it was kind of immediately announced that obviously Hammer was going straight to um, Hammerby, do you feel like that's a kind of natural transition because I was kind of um, not surprised but I guess I, I was struck by maybe the like more physical aspects of the Scandinavian leagues as a, and I guess maybe Chelsea just see this is a player who's clearly got technical quality in bags, but needs to be able to show that she can deal with maybe that higher physical level. Do you think that's a fair kind of assessment?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'd say. I'd say that she's gone there. Emma Hayes has probably sent her to to, to the Swedish League because she's probably going to get, I hope she's guaranteed game time. And it's going to add that element um, to her game that they just don't get in Japan, the physical element, right? So she's going to go and get used to that. Um, and then we're going to have a really well-rounded player uh, after it.
0: And what do you think that transition will be like for her? Because obviously she's very, very young still. And this is like kind of a a massive move just geographically, right?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there is a lot of off the field things that we do, you know, we have to think about with Japanese players. And it's the same when we get... um, uh european or north american or wherever players coming over to japan there's a lot of cultural things they have to get used to language would be a key one um now i don't know exactly what Micah's english skill is um usually it's kind of very basic at this age he probably spends a lot more time playing football in school right than, than learning english um, but it'll take some time to get used to that i expect that translates onto the pitch because they have to learn the tactical stuff, right? So if you've got a coach who really needs to kind of win games, maybe there's Champions League or Cup games coming up or important games and the players really need to understand the game plan, right? So, And that might be, you know, a challenge. Um, Hopefully it won't take too long. You know, she's young and and got the energy, right? So she might be able to pick up quite quickly. Um, The physical thing, I think with with Micah, I mean, it's kind of one of the concerns I have. um, And just to kind of give you an example of the, well, I think there's six Japanese players in the WSL now. So Micah is the tallest of them. No, she's quite tall, but compared to the likes of uh, Iwabuchi, say, she's actually quite slight. You know, the build is not so physical, right? So you'd imagine that if she was coming up against a a very physical defender, that's going to be more kind of like shoulder to shoulder, which usually, I'm I'm sure if you ask a lot of the big defenders, like Millie Bright, for example, they probably prefer to have somebody of a similar height, but of a slighter stature. They'll probably do a little bit better with that kind of forward, right? So that might be one area where she'll kind of struggle, I think. Um, But the caveat to that is that she's not like uh, a player that hangs onto the ball fits too often she'll be very kind of like one touch pass one touch playmaking or one touch goals this kind of thing so that's probably how she's going to have to kind of get around that but um but yeah, seeing how she's going to fit in, it will be interesting to see. Um, she is a player, from what we've seen, she is quite, you know, for better or for worse, she is quite self-critical. So that usually with that kind of mentality, they come back quite strong. They pick up on what they've, very trial and, trial and error, right? So whatever they kind of fail, they'll learn very quickly, get used to it very quickly. She's 18, a lot of development still to go. So um, hopefully, you know, it might be a bit of a slow burn, but, you know, I think it'll be a very good experience in the end.
0: Yeah, and I wanted to actually touch on, um, you know, Japanese players in the WSL. We've seen kind of West Ham really look to like, like look to purchase from that market. I think with with great success, really, everyone they brought in, I think, has kind of immediately taken to the league. And obviously, we saw Hasegawa get her kind of big man city move. And then maybe Iwabuchi has um, slightly struggled a bit, but like not really through any fault of her own. Do you think you know, increasingly Japanese players are seeing the WSL as like a good destination to to aim for.
1: I think so, yeah. I mean, I think the, the proof is in the pudding, right? I think it's, um, here in Japan, it's kind of perceived as being the world's best. You know, I, I I mean, maybe some people would have something to say about that, but that's kind of the general the, the general conception. Um, yeah, I think they see it as, well, I mean, maybe it's a big money league. We can see that. Um, it's a league that they can come in and add that little bit to their game that they don't have in Japan, this kind of physical element. Um, and maybe just kind of life at a, a WSL club. is quite attractive for, for a lot of them. So, yeah, a lot of respect, I think.
0: And obviously we've seen Micah get her first kind of senior appearance for Japan. Where is, like, what's her standing with regard to the the senior team? and, And what does that look like going forward?
1: A bit of time. It's going to take a little bit of time before she will... Uh, cement a place there's a lot of competition in, in the forward positions right except for the number nine um but she she generally plays off a central striker um for the uh, for the national team so i mean this is basically wabuchi's um uh position right so uh until yesterday, when we heard about the move to Tottenham, I'd say that uh she believes next month, that position could be up for grabs. You know, so I, I do think that Hamina will go to that and will probably go to the World Cup as well. Um, but how much game time she's going to get um, is is a little bit debatable. You know, some kind of kind of cameo appearances—that's about it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to take a little while, I think, before she becomes the the, the you know the first choice uh, a first choice player, uh, a starting member. Maybe she'll be in the twenties before we get that, because there is a lot of competition with. Iwabuchi and, and Hasagawa plays quite forward for Japan as well, right? So time will have to tell.
0: Yeah, and, and it makes sense. Look, like she is only 18. So that's kind of fair enough. Um, I just kind of wanted to finish off with being with asking you where do you see Hamano's ceiling and sort of tied into that her future with Chelsea? Because to me, I'm like, this is an interesting signing because it's there's not an obviously direct path into this Chelsea team. Um, she's still very young um i can't quite figure out if like this really is like one for the future or if this is just like we wanted to get hold of like a talented young player and and see what happens but but from your perspective is this a player who you think yes she is definitely going to like go on to make 40 50 appearances for chelsea
1: I mean, it's a very kind of tricky question, now, because I think we all, we all know that the Chelsea loan system, right, um, which, which does wonderful things. I mean, one thing I was thinking about is I'm not sure she could actually, it's going to be a while before she can actually play for Chelsea, right, the, the work permit situation. I don't know if you know.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not entirely sure
1: of what the ins and outs of that. No, would be. yeah. So it's a, it's a non non EU player, right? So she has to, and she's not a national team player. So with the likes of Iwabuchi and and Hasagawa, they are a Japan national team players. The way it works is that if you play uh, for 75% of your of your national team's game over a two year period, you get the UK work permit, uh, no questions asked. If you're not doing that, you have to meet a lot of other criteria. Things like uh, are you coming from a top league, which the uh, the FA doesn't really see the we League as um other things like that and and howmano everything's been done at uh, under 20 level right so i think um maybe cuz she if she goes to the world cup uh, and if she's been playing regularly for Hammerby, there might be some kind of exception they take it to a panel the next season she can get the uk work permit otherwise it's going to have to be another loan spell and what i if i was going to predict i would say it'll probably be a series of loan loan spells each one getting a little bit more better um shall we say and then eventually i mean who knows where we're going to be then i mean who's going to be in the chelsea team for sure it's probably going to be competitive right so it's a very tricky question to ask um and then again i keep coming back to this whole thing that we kind of see her as kind of fitting a different style of play that the fast passing um style of the of the spanish league so i do uh, i can see a situation where it would be more towards the latter of what you said this is one for to keep hold of maybe kind of a bit more of a, a money motivation behind it a bit of transfer acumen going on i see that as being a possibility which might not be what you want to hear on this podcast but um for sure, um, it would be wonderful if she could. If she could break into the into the Chelsea first team, that would be great. Or, or even as kind of like, you know, a rotational type of player. Um, Emma Hayes has a record of, of working with players from from this part of the world, right? So um, I'm sure she's seen her talents. She knows how to work with with, with this kind of player personality-wise and, uh, and technical-wise. So um, yeah, I think we can have hope, but with a little bit of caution uh, added on.
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely a player whose development is going to be really interesting as well as maybe kind of seeing whether this is a sort of turn from Chelsea maybe to looking more at developing their own talent over longer periods of time rather than just going out and, and uh, taking their pick of the market as we've seen in the past. But Alex, thank you very, very much for giving us that that insight on Micah. Where can people find you and your work?
1: Sure, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at bishop 32 very simple. Uh, yeah, I'm tweeting regularly and always following the uh, Japan national team and local league here in Japan as well.
0: All right, fantastic. Thank you again. Um, I will be back after this ad break with Abdullah to talk through some of Hamano's footage, so don't go anywhere. All right, so now we've heard the backstory. Let's get into the details here. I am joined by the magic of the internet by Abdullah. How are you doing, man?
2: Yeah, all good. The magic of the internet, different time zones, different places, yet we're here at the same time doing the same recording. It's It's amazing, the wonders of the internet.
0: We love to see it. All right. Obviously, I had to send Abdullah into the y Scout video <laughs> library to get watching um, some footage of Micah Hamono because um, I don't know about you guys, but I hadn't watched a whole lot of her because I wasn't totally across the under-20 World Cup, which is obviously where she shone. Um, there isn't, like, a whole amount of footage of her out there but you know the under 20 world cup is is a pretty good kind of place to see definitely where her level is now and she's someone who who obviously has played quite a lot of senior football in her time although it's kind of limited how much of that's been kind of available to watch but Abdullah what is it that like initially stood out for you about watching this player
2: so I like I I was just telling you right um I went into this Y Scout deep dive by first just looking at a video without actually looking at any basic information of where does she play in terms of position can she play multiple positions and all that good stuff and my first initial reaction was wow she's a really skillful uh, progressive creative number 10 and after I did all this watching and I went and I saw the you know the position map I was like Huh? hold on a second she's actually a striker so i i guess that was that was the first thing where i was shocked that she played very much like a deeper attacking midfielder rather than than a striker and then everything started coming together so i, I think for me the first thing instead of is we've basically signed a nine and a half basically a player that plays not as a true number nine but not as a true number 10 um i think for me the the basic and we can go into this. The kind of the basic things that I really I really stood out for me was basically her dribbling ability, her vision, uh, you know, her her ability to be able to play in this in this almost like a free striker role. And she kind of moves across. So it's like one minute she's popping up on left wing, the next minute she's, you know, like deep in midfield. Um, and and she kind of, you know, linking up with midfield was really, really good, really good, really good really good range of passing. And honestly, I, I think I think this was probably an underrated part, which we can get into more later, is her defensive work. Now, while it doesn't look like much in the video, when I looked at the stats, um, there were some pretty high numbers for, for two seasons worth of data in terms of her defensive duels and her interceptions and her off-the-ball work. So, I mean, from from first glance, you're like, I can see why Emma went and, and wanted to buy her because she almost feels like a tailor-made um at least in 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 the in 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 like say 70% of the aspects the tailor-made Chelsea sort of sort of striker so yeah I'm, i was i was sort of uh, excited off, off the first glance
0: all right let's start by talking about um i guess the most important thing probably shall we say if we are talking about a striker let's start start by talking about the goal scoring Um, Obviously, she walked away at the Under-20 World Cup with the silver ball. Uh, No, let me do that again. Obviously, she walked away at the Under-20 World Cup with the silver boot and and the golden ball for best player. What do you make of... Obviously, it's a fairly small sample size. I think Scout had, like, maybe seven or eight of her goals. Um, including the four from, from the Under-20 World Cup. But what did you make of, of those finishers?
2: I, yeah, no, you're right. I think from her finishing, her finishing ability, I think can improve, but you can tell that she's got the instinct of, she knows where the goal is. You know, if we can use that day-old adage of, she knows where the goal is, she knows um, her positioning really well. And she's one of those players that I think, um over time, will improve and I think start scoring more goals once she kind of maybe hones in on sort of what she wants to do. So, if, if, if we go back to what you were saying about the finishing and everything, I think what she really does well when she does take these goals and then maybe even the goals she doesn't score is that she actually ends up taking really good positions. But, in my but from, from what I was watching, most of her Good positions are coming in places of her trying to be a bit more of a playmaker and assisting goals rather than actually scoring goals herself. Yes, you know, for going off the scout data purely, she has seven goals and two assists across her two seasons of data that's there. And like you said, four of those goals have come from the from the World Cup. Which, in a small sample size of the World Cup and the World Cup itself, in in its isol- in isolation, is really good. Four goals across across of a, you know uh, six, seven, eight games is, is a really good return and and and, and worth uh, writing home about. But if you're looking for someone who's being consistent, then you know I think there's this there's this consistency problem of not being able to replicate this goal scoring. And to me, I think it comes down to a couple of things. I think one, it's maybe her. I want to say maybe over eagerness in wanting to be, wanting to create and get on the ball and try and drive and, and get other players into play by, by her, with her passing, with her dribbling, with her, with all that. Um, and I think the other thing is, I think it's just age and consistency. I think, I think when, when you're, when you're such a young player, like the age of 18 and, and, and such, it's you, you're eager to do everything at once. And I feel like because she's trying to impress in, in a, in a way, Um, she's doing everything. So she's trying really hard to play make. She's trying really hard to run in behind. She's trying really hard to hold up the ball. And I think while she can be, you can be a good player in all of those aspects. I feel like as she develops, I think she'll hone in on an aspect of being a striker or maybe even converting into a different position altogether, right? I can see her maybe down the line going back to Chelsea in a couple of years, right? And kind of and kind of look, Emma Hayes looking at her, whoever it is at the time, looking at her and going, you know what? Maybe you are better suited in this system as 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 a number ten, right? Because just just everything is there for me. Where she, maybe as a striker she doesn't score enough goals, but maybe as a number as a as a creative number ten, the amount of goals that she scores could be enough if she improves obviously on the playmaking, which is where it looks like her her value is, right? So, yeah, I think just to kind of summarise, I think the, the finishing part takes up really good positions, but very much at the moment looks like someone who wants to be in spaces to play the final pass or the ball towards the player that gives the final pass rather than being in in, in, in a position to want to score, though she does get into them when she, when she does get those opportunities.
0: Yeah, I definitely think from watching her, she likes to take shots, which I like. Um, I feel like though... Sometimes she doesn't always shoot from the best position. Um, definitely in the under twenty World Cup final against Spain, and there's the pressure there of being in the final. Like to bear in mind, um, there was some like quite early shots, and it was just like you can take more time or make an extra pass. You don't need to, you know, need to behave like this. Um, but there was some really nice finishing. She's, I think, generally she feels like a very confident and almost like a cheeky player. Um, I said this to. Abdullah before we jumped on the call, but, like, sometimes she does remind me of Sam Kerr in, in the kind of, like, the audacity of some of the the finishes that she, she does. Equally, sometimes, yeah, it's still not, like, perfect, obviously, but she's 18, you know, I think that's pretty much what you'd expect, but she's definitely got the de- technical quality when it comes to finishing, albeit, as Abdullah says, sometimes that's, like, more around the edge of the box rather than being this, like penalty area poacher. But also what's interesting is kind of felt like there was a difference between watching her play for the Japan youth side compared to when she was playing in senior football. Felt like in her senior game, she was making more of those like penalty box runs. And I feel like she maybe just had more space and time at the youth level to, to be able to do more what she wanted to drop to shoot from the edge of the area. Um, you looks as well at her her dribbling, which I guess is interesting if if you're kind of suggesting maybe this isn't someone who's going to end up as an out-and-out striker. Um, what have you kind of made of that? I
2: think I I, I think I texted you on WhatsApp, right? She reminds me of like a mini Messi in, in the sense of like the way she dribbles and the way she picks up the ball. Like she has this like like, Messi has like this really small first touch when he gets the ball out of his feet. And then he really burst into acceleration. And it, and Hamano really reminded me of that. A lot of the times when she when she dropped into midfield, picked up the ball and turned, her first thing is get that first touch, get the ball a little bit in front of her to give her space to just drive forward, right? And when she does that, she's able to then go at a certain speed, but also have this sort of ball control that still keeps the ball close to her. And then she can kind of dribble out of situations. And onto your point about... Um, maybe getting a little bit more space uh, in, in the tournament. And I, and I feel that's absolutely correct. That's one thing I noticed where when she was playing in, uh, when she's playing in uh, in the league, there's a lot more players closing her down. And, and 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 that's where maybe she struggles a little bit. But when she's got a little bit more space to play with, and I, and I felt like against Spain and against France, there was a few moments where they were on the back foot, really holding like a, a, a mid block, a mid to low block, you know, and she had the space and time to turn and move forward. And when she was able to do that and get into a little bit of a stride, she felt she felt like she looked unstoppable. Like she looked like she was someone that could just drive through. When anybody uh, tackles her, they're going to win a free, she's going to win a free kick, right? Um, so I think in that sense, being, uh, uh, being able to drive and dribble through in terms of progression, I think that's a really good trait for her. And I think at the same time, her close quarter control at the moment is deceptively good. What I mean by that is I think she has the ability to be able to play in tight spaces, almost like a Ji So you hold the ball, turn it around, try and get out of those situations where there's one or two players. Um, but at the moment, it's 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 one of those where sometimes it comes off, sometimes it doesn't come off, and 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 when you get two three players pressing her, she tends to lose the ball a little bit. So I think that could probably improve, but and and I think that's maybe why we see her maybe going up into the, into the wide areas, dropping in deep into midfield, and dropping into the, the the boxes. She's always trying to look for space to 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 drive and to dribble. While she does pass, I think I think her first instinct is I want to keep the ball at my feet and I want to drive it closer to the box in whatever way I can from whatever position. And she backs herself to do that because I've seen her pick out the ball in midfield, suddenly she's running herself off to left wing, then the, then the fullback of the midfielder plays it out wide, then she's one-on-one, and then she tries to beat the beat the fullback of the defender and then kind of gets into the box. And, 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 and that usually it works out really well. She's able to carve out um, space and opportunities only once she has maybe a few seconds, a little bit of time to think what she wants to do next. And I think maybe the next stage of her development when she goes on loan now is... What can she do when there's less space on the ball, less time uh, in a league where probably she's going to be pressed a little bit more? And I think that's, for me, where it's going to be fascinating to see.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting point because I think the choice of loan is interesting in terms of going to Sweden and Hammerby. And I think you know something you've picked out is one of her weaknesses is, is she doesn't necessarily have a lot of upper body strength. She's not a player who you're like... This is someone who's super built. I mean, not a huge amount of 18-year-olds are anyway, unless you're like Ruby Mace or like Emily Murphy, I guess, is the other like 18-year-old. I was like, wow. So do you feel like that kind of... Do you think that's why Chelsea like looked to Sweden, like a league which I think of as being as quite physical? You know, when we look at some of the strikers who come out of Sweden... In recent years, um, Anna Anvergaard, Gina Blackstenius, uh, all players who, you know, you see think of as being um, very physical players.
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at Lena Hertig, who has obviously played there once upon a time, Penela Harder. These players are big and and, and they're, they're physically imposing. And I think that's the type of players that Sweden produce. I mean, maybe she does a a murdek and she gets a, a personal trainer and bulk herself up in the next 18 months and suddenly we see her back you know with this big buff uh, this big buff player coming from sweden um but yeah i think so i think i think i think the the choice is interesting i think maybe the one of the things that mahe saw was they could have sent her to the netherlands they could have kept her in the championship they could have played her anywhere closer to home right but i think sending her there in a league that's a step up from 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 the japanese league but also like you said i think it's a place where they can go and build her toughness and her physicality first because i think they can see that the the talent and potential on the ball is there and that will come that will develop and come wherever she plays right so that in in a weird way doesn't need, it needs developing obviously but like bear with me it's something that she already has at a really good level and maybe the physicality and the physical aspects are lagging behind. So why not send her to a place where it's known for its physical strengths, get her to maybe bulk up and get used to being rough-housed a little bit, so that you're almost prepared to come to England and and do the same thing. I mean, you look at someone like I know she's not a striker, but Yelena Kankovic, right, comes in, played in played in Scandinavia, but she's she looks like she's ready to scrap. You know, she's a creative number ten, right, but she looks like she's ready to scrap she looks like she's going to punch somebody in the face if if required and and need be i mean in the, in the last episode i think we uh, some uh, i think CFCW social nicknamed her the serbian de bruyne and i'm going to coin that from now on like obviously serbians are, are are known for being a little bit um a little bit hard a little bit you know tough then but i think that the but being able to play in, in Scandinavia and and develop that side i think we've seen enough use cases to come and say yeah all right cool you know that you can go then come back A stronger player
0: yeah definitely I definitely think that'll be interesting and then that kind of ties into something you you already touched on but this kind of defensive work rate. and you know we know that's something that is important to to Emma Hayes it's something that I think Lauren James has really stood out with with what she's done this season do you think that's something that like maybe has attracted Chelsea to Hamano like it's not just about the goals the creativity the vision it's you know being willing to put that work in as well
2: yeah no i think you're right you know in, in a weird way i really think that um part of me thinks that emma hayes bought her out of all the players bought her because she had that off the ball work rate, right like I, like I was telling you i couldn't see much in the footage but from the stats that i saw like she actually has some really good numbers i mean in the last two years she's uh she she averages about nine and a half defensive duels per ninety minutes with a sixty five percent success rate and and with three and a half interceptions per ninety, which to me means she's not afraid to get into a scrap, right? She's not afraid to get in there, try and bully somebody off the ball, and sixty five percent, I mean, for across club and country, it's not a bad return. Okay, obviously, I think that playing against other players, especially for for country in, in that in the in the World Cup. And friendly is you're playing against other under 19s and under 20 year olds or so people you know girls within her age bracket and for the most part on average around her size someone that she can go toe-to-toe with in, in, in a way and i think maybe that helps boost the numbers a little bit but it shows a willingness to be able to work off the ball press move and three and a half interceptions means that she's got a little bit of Uh, positional intelligence, spatial awareness to know, all right, cool, I know where the ball comes from. Tactically, she knows where she needs to go. And I think that's something that Emma Hayes can mold and use going forward. Because, I mean, if there's anything that this Chelsea team needs, it's characters and people who want to work. And, you know, Sam Kerr's, like, like, I think your Sam Kerr comparison is perfect because Sam Kerr, when she was at the Red Stars, outstanding goal scorer. But one thing that she was really good at was pressing off the ball, off the, you know, the first line of defense, the first press. She was really good at that. And that was another reason why she's come in and kind of settled really well here. I think I think Hamano is is, is of a similar mold of her in terms of being able to press. And I think, again, I think as she develops her game and as she as she ages up, I think that will um, she will understand tactically and, and herself when and when to move and and what to do.
0: Yeah, I definitely feel like that thing about um, her positioning and how that impacts for interceptions is really interesting because when I was looking at kind of some of her dribbling and her running with the ball, that was something I noticed quite a lot is that um, she was very good at getting into areas of space and maybe reading misplaced classes and then, like, turning. And she's quite slow when she turns, but when she gets her head down, that's when she, like, really starts to speed up. Um, But I do think she's quite good at being aware of, like, where the play is behind her. She's not someone who's just kind of statically waiting for the ball to come to her. That's, like, not the kind of striker she is at all. So, obviously, she's off to Hammer Bay. She's very, very young still. There's kind of some suggestion that her signing ties into this broader Chelsea-wide Project 2030 signing young players type thing. Um, She's clearly someone who's been very highly rated, you know, included in this women's under-20 world team uh, recently, which has players like Salma Paroelu, who, like, plays for Barcelona all the time, and Vicky Lopez, who also plays for Barcelona all the time, Linda Caicedo, who probably will play for Barcelona all the time soon, Eula Brand, (laughs) etc., etc. Alisson Bath, who plays for Lyon. So lots of very, very talented players who are getting quite a lot of senior minutes um where do you see Hamano's future at Chelsea
2: good question um well first I think I want to caveat that by saying I don't think I will see her really in a Chelsea set for at least two seasons I think obviously the rest of this season definitely I think is a little loan for her next season and maybe the earliest we'll see her is in uh 2024 right uh, sorry, twenty twenty four. Yeah, the the big 25 season. From a if you're if you're asking me from a positional point of view, where do I see her? Um, I think between the nine and a ten position, and I, I really think that depending on Chelsea's situation, I think the fact that they have Kankovic and 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 they have, you know, they got that number ten over there, and they've got Lauren James, who could maybe eventually flourish as a number ten going into the future. We don't know, and obviously both of them, are relatively. Uh, young and, and so Chelsea has talked it, but then even though even up front I think Chelsea you know, it's, we, 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 you know we, we've been talking about that there needs to be a succession plan for Samka and maybe this is the start of that right maybe this is the start of right Samka is what uh, 29 28 29 around that around that late 20s uh, you, you know um, uh, range and in two, three years, you're going to start thinking, all right, cool, maybe it's time to find the Sam Kerr replacement, bed her in and kind of, you know, get whoever that player is going to be to get used to the system, the game, and and someone who is probably going to be ready in and around that time to challenge and then obviously eventually displace Sam Kerr. And I think Hamano might be, um, might be that player where getting her now, you're giving her maybe three, three and a half, four years to really develop and play... You know, hopefully, if the development goes well, loan spell in Sweden, maybe another loan spell somewhere else in Europe. Then you maybe get a championship loan, and then maybe you get a WSL loan, and then you eventually come into the Chelsea first team. Right? You could go to, through that development path and ease her into into the system. And by that point, you have um someone there who can who can replace up front. So I think it depends on the player situation at the time, but I can very easily see her playing as either a number ten or a number nine because she's got the traits and quality for both. Uh, it's just it's just a matter of um, what maybe Chelsea need at the time, and and what their succession plan is for either position. Because who knows? Maybe, I mean, I took you know anything can happen in football. Someone you know one of the number tens gets sold in the next three years for some you know a million euro bid. Right? You can't turn it down. You let them go. And all right, thank you very much. Need a million euros. Right? But um, and then maybe suddenly the Hamano plan changes from being a number nine okay cool maybe you can now develop into a number 10 so i think it's between those two positions but i really think it comes down to both what Chelsea's situation is like probably in two three years and i think maybe this summer window might be the first indication of depending on who chelsea buy and who chelsea may be linked with and looking at plus how she's going what position she plays in for hammerby will probably give us a better indication of where her long-term chelsea future lies
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's interesting and it's a signing that I find it hard not to be a little bit sceptical about, only because I don't think Chelsea have ever been very good at doing this in terms of bringing kind of academy or younger players through. Um, You know, even someone like Lauren James, who I guess you would say is probably... Chelsea's most successful youngster right now had, like, significant senior minutes at a different club. Um, Maybe the most successful player who's been out on loans and kind of come good is Bethany England. Um, Obviously, the club kind of loaned her out to Liverpool before they brought her in, but to be honest, that kind of went south pretty quickly. Um, So I'm very intrigued to to see as to how it does work out. I think especially because it'll be interesting maybe to see what, if any, moves Chelsea do make for this second striker role. You know, I think there's been a variety of links for players at a variety of ages, and some of them, you're like, they don't make sense with this player. And I kind of think if you want her, and she's clearly very talented, like, you should have her in and around your setup as soon as possible. So I think the Hammerbee thing is a great opportunity. It also you know, is a league that runs a slightly different time scale to the WSL, which I think, like, is maybe um, helpful too in terms of that kind of development. Um, I can definitely see why it's an experience worth having, although I will say that Hamby team is, like, kind of stacked. So, like, there's lots of exciting young players in it, so it will be interesting to see kind of how she gels in there and what her minutes look like and that kind of thing. But, yeah, I'm just kind of fascinated by this, version of long-term youth development because I just don't think Chelsea have ever done it very well and that doesn't mean they won't do it very well it's just normally been a let's go and buy the most talented kind of 23 to 27 year old um so yeah maybe a little bit of a change maybe an eye also to how the market's changing and, and what that means um but it will definitely be interesting to see um how that looks and it's someone else that we can add into to our loan update so I'm sure we'll be checking back in on her uh, as her season gets underway and as the year goes on but for now that wraps us up I think for this episode Abdullah thank you for joining me and for doing all your research
2: no always it's a pleasure
0: love to get you into the Wise Scout Vaults <laughs> when we can um, we will be back on Sunday after Chelsea face Liverpool at Kings Meadow um, fixtures coming pretty thick and fast after that uh we got spurs midweek in the conti cup quarterfinal two and then liverpool again in the fa cup and then spurs again in the league so um we we've got to go away and come up with some interesting and different liverpool spurs hot takes otherwise we're going to bring you uh, two identical episodes <laughs> um but we will uh speak to you guys soon until then chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high